In its quest to provide an open forum for discussion of controversial issues, this station allows hosts and their guests to express themselves without any significant censorship. You're advised that any views expressed by the host or their guests are not necessarily the views of Tuggy Entertainment or its partners. on a journey into the unknown, the unexplained, and the unbelievable. We will test your senses and challenge your beliefs. A world where science and religion clash. Or do they? You will meet real people and hear real stories, but you will not believe. You will witness strange sights and hear strange sounds, but you will not believe. This is the New England Ghost Project. Welcome to the Good evening, everybody, and welcome to Ghost Chronicles Next Generation. I am wondering where Van Helsing is. Hey, are you there, Van Helsing? Hey, I don't hear him, so here I am. (laughs) Welcome to the show, everybody, and uh, I know he's going to be checking in with us just momentarily. Um, Hey, nice to hear from you. I am here. You have a voice. Sort of. Sort of, kind of. How are you? I am really, wonderful. Show went really well without me, so I'm, that's good news. Oh, you know, I thought maybe you were just giving me a little test this week. No, no. <laughs> and we're at all. just not going to show up and see how I did. I don't know. No, I wouldn't do that. I hope not. not. Without, not we had, we did have a great show last week, but we missed you. Mm hmm. Yep, it was going also on jury duty, and jury <laughs> duty was fun, of course. Uh, oh seven days for that. That's awful. Um, yeah, it was good, though. I mean, afterwards, yeah. I actually got a letter from the judge. Really? Me. Yeah. So, that was kind of cool. Awesome. Yeah. It was kind of cool. <laughs> it is. So, have you ever I been on jury duty? I have been on jury duty, and I've yeah. never enjoyed it. <laughs> really? No. Well, the last one I had someone who was locked up in uh, over in Bridgewater, and he was a sexual offender, and... It just, yeah, it wasn't, it was all female jury, of course. It just wasn't a really great experience. It's funny because this is the first case that wasn't a rape case for me. And I've done, uh, I've been selected four times, including one time, which was multiple trials. So. Wow. Yeah, back in the day, you used to serve a lot longer. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. I can remember my, my father got back in, oh, God, it was probably back in the 40s, uh, and he was sequestered, and I mean, he he was he was on this very famous murder trial, and I can't I have a whole my mother has a whole scrapbook about it, and he was I think on jury on this jury duty for like a month. Really? Yeah, and I'll I'll have to pull it out, and and um, apparently it was a very famous murder trial. The man huh. murdered his wife, and uh, yeah, lots of fun, lots of fun. She had three little kids at home. It's great. <laughs> Actually, I, I don't mind serving. I don't like losing the time, but, um, you know, if I was going to be on trial, I would certainly want people to uh, serve for me. That's true. So, yeah, so. I, I, never, I didn't think of it that way, so. Okay. Okay. Did you civic duty? <laughs> I did, anyway. Uh, 
Okay. Actually, I just heard a note from PowerX. They're having a little problem with this. We're having a problem. They're having... Oh. Well... So I, I've got to deal with that right now. And okay. I guess Anna is getting our guest. So who was our guest anyways, uh, Anna? Our guest this evening is Dr. T. Lee Bauman. Mm-hmm. And he is the author of numerous books, uh, God at the Speed of Light, The really? Building of Science and Spirituality, uh, Window to God, a Physician's Spiritual Pilgrimage, and Ooh, another book cool. called, it's a, I know, another book uh, entitled The Akashic Light, Religion's Common Thread. And um, I'm really intrigued by what Dr. Bauman has written. I'm really anxious. I, I want to get all his books. Okay, and well, he's with us now if we'd like to bring him on. That's wonderful. Dr. Bauman, how are you here? I am. How are you folks? Wonderful. How are you? I am quite well, thank you. Thank you for having me on your program. Oh, you're very welcome. Uh, it's myself and my host, Ron Kolek, this evening. Yeah, yes. kind of. I'm not a little bit under the weather here. So you're not like a, a real medical doctor, like you could cure me or something while you're there or something. <laughs> I, I would be happy to. I, I mean, you can do it astrally, I guess. I guess you could project yourself and give me an office visit. <laughs> so exactly. We're going to talk a little bit about astral astral projection, or I like to call it astral projection, which Ian corrects me all the time. But yeah. Why don't you take the uh, lead on this, Ian? Uh, Dr. Bauman, thank you so much for joining us. And It's a pleasure. Uh, it's wonderful. I, I was starting to tell Ron that one of the reasons – that I, I'm intrigued by your work is because last week I wanted to do a show, um, well, among other things, I wanted to talk about astral projection, but um, my co-host last week who filled in for Ron, Mike Markowitz, came across your books and he said, Dr. Bauman would make an excellent guest. And um, so we did, you know, a little bit more research, and um, so that's why we have you here tonight. <laughs> Perfect. I'm honored to be here. Can you tell us, um, I mean, you are a physician, and that's that was your original uh, calling? Exactly, yes. And uh, what led you kind of down this path to go uh, to write these books? Well, I, I love that question, Anne. Mm-hmm. I, uh, I have always considered myself a man of science. Mm-hmm. I went through college with a biology major, chemistry minor. I then entered medical school. The entire time, science was pretty much dictating, and and I think to a major degree still is, that there's really no need for a supreme being with the Big Bang and the theory of evolution. Science at least back in the 1970s, had pretty much convinced me there was no need for a God. Mm-hmm. So that was where I found myself uh, when I was practicing medicine back in the 1970s. But I became interested in Albert Einstein and his, especially his special theory of relativity. Mm-hmm. And in his special theory of relativity, light, the photon, is really the central theme uh, You have E equals MC squared, where C stands for the speed of light squared. 
He talks in a special theory about how nothing can go faster than the speed of light and that any entity that could achieve light speed, time would stop. And believe it or not, that precept has been proven true many times over. So that is now accepted fact, that for the photon, time does not exist, uh, as incredible as that sounds. So I, I found something very supernatural just in that concept alone. Mm -hmm. I, Being a practicing physician, I also became interested in Raymond Moody's first book called Life After Life, which happened to deal with the near-death experience. Mm -hmm. He, by the way, lives lives not far from me in Anniston, Alabama. I'm here in Birmingham, Alabama. Oh, wow. Uh, and we've actually had dinner together. He's he's just a wonderful personality. Uh, he, he also is an MD who found himself uh, dealing with patients who had had near-death experiences, and, and hence he wrote his first book. This is Much this is like... Dr. Um, this is Dr. Moody of, of the, uh, um, uh, what's the chamber? Uh, oh, God. He invented a chamber that y you uh, actually, you can do astral projection. And everything. What the heck is the name of it? I can't think of it. Oh, De God. Deprivation? Depri no, it's it's not deprivation chamber. It's a it's a special chamber that uh, and actually we tried it and it's it's a unique thing. Uh, uh, so I I didn't I, I was trying to find out if that was the same Dr. Moody. So I, I apologize for interrupting you there, but no, no apology necessary. I believe you're absolutely right. I've read several of his books following this, and he he does get off into uh, more tangents. That's it. Yeah, psychomantium oh. chamber. I I believe you're absolutely correct. Oh, was it psycho what? Psychomanthium. Psychomanthium. Yep. Okay. Sorry. So, anyways, you you had dinner with Doctor Moody. I'm sorry, I do that. I have that ADD stuff. In <laughs> yeah, no, no, that's <laughs> anywhere and everywhere. That, that's fine. I'm OCD, so I can appreciate that. <laughs> uh, yeah. So, in, anyway, I have become interested in the near death experience, being a practicing physician and having resuscitated patients and. You know, some you were successful and some you were not. And you mm. you had to wonder what was going on during resuscitation techniques. Right. Right. So, uh, so from that standpoint, I became interested in the near-death experience. And again, I'm, I'm sure you're familiar with that. You have the being of light. You travel through a tunnel. And there are, a lot, there are certainly many supernatural elements uh, to the near-death experience. Mm -hmm. So uh, the, the central theme linking those two very disparate, you know, phenomenon was light. So I, I began taking notes. I began reading more and more. And at, at some point in time, I decided it would be interesting to research the world's religions and see if, if it was only our Hebrew and Christian religions which described their gods in terms of light. You know, you mm -hmm. have Christ saying, I am the light of the world, and you have uh, Moses saying the burning bush, and, uh, you know, various light-related elements uh, through which God was often depicted in the Hebrew Bible. Lo and behold, almost every religion on our planet describes their deity in terms of light. Wow. Uh, you can cert you can certainly relate to the Egyptians who worship the sun, you know, as mm -hmm. being uh, 
one of those, but but it goes on to the uh, Hindu religions, Islam, uh, Mormon, uh, tribal, African, the Chinese traditional, and I'm telling you, it just goes on and on. So at some point I began to believe that descriptions of God in terms of light were not metaphorical, but that they were actually literal. So mm-hmm. that anyway, that led to my first book and my subsequent books, and that's where I am now. Wow, that's that's uh, that's amazing, and I I think all your books they just look really intriguing to me. And I know now Ron has had a near death experience. Oh, I'd right. love to hear about that. <laughs> I, I, that was one of the questions I was going to ask you if you personally had one at all, uh, Ernie. I have that... not. Mm-hmm. I have not. Uh, I have just gleaned all of my information from other reports and from speaking to individuals on my own. Mm-hmm. Wow, Ron, you you should tell them about yours. Well, it, basically, it, 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 it's a little different from the uh, the uh, norm in that uh, I was uh, I ended up with a pulmonary embolism, and uh, I was. I was someplace else, definitely someplace else, and I always used the line like uh, from Madonna's song, like a prayer. It felt like home. It was very comfortable where it was. It was very bright, though. You were right about the light. It was extremely bright and extremely white, and there were beings there, but I couldn't see uh, any faces or anything. I just saw uh, shapes, and they were totally white and it sounds even corny but there was uh there was almost like a, an angelic music there and also very very warm um you know comfortable warm and then the whole yes. thing just closed like the closing of an iris and the, the bright light was all gone it was the dim lights of the icu there, there was no music just my heartbeat on the monitor and there was certainly no one around and it, and it was of course the ICU, which is not really the warmest place in the world either, but that no, it's, it's, it's freezing there. It's freezing. <laughs> it is been there. It's freezing. Not well, per, not, well that's not very interesting. Either. I mean, you have so many of the elements that others describe. Uh, I, I'm curious, Ron. Did when you were on the other side, did you have a feeling that you had all the answers to every question you had ever wanted to know? You know, the, the interesting thing about that is that, you know, that that's kind of what everybody thinks. But I don't think I was like, I think I was almost like in that halfway. I mean, I was there, but for some reason, I didn't go all the way. You know, it's like being down there, going down that tunnel and you, you go out into the light. But it isn't. It's just like I was almost felt like I was going in that direction. And I certainly where I was, I would, you know, that's why I never fear death now because the, because of this and another experience I had as well. But, um, it's, it was the same thing. And it's just, I don't know if you would say all, no, no, I did not have all the knowledge of the world with me, but, uh, I don't think I really achieved that completion where you've right. gone completely through it. If, if you, you think of it as a tunnel, then maybe I was like three-quarters of the way down or something where I was going there, but for some reason I got pulled back. Right. Very Does that make any sense? No, absolutely. It sounds uh, you know, very familiar. Uh, like I said, it has so many of the elements that I have heard so repeatedly that, uh, yes, very, very, very interesting and 
it uh, each time I hear a story like that, I I'm just overwhelmed by the fact that we are able to experience such phenomena. Yeah, it's 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 you know phenomenal until you you know it's pretty hard to describe until you really go through it, and it's one of the reasons I got into doing what I do, paranormal investigating, is because of this. You know, I, I originally I, I have a degree in environmental science, so I was really not interested in ghosts or anything. But uh, one of the the things that got me into it was I was curious whether this was just the drugs I was receiving during during you know my treatment or was this really truly an experience so that's how I got in it and that's kind of my quest right now well you know that was a question I had which I delved into before I had completed my first book was really I'm your ultimate skeptic uh, being you know Good. a man of man of science so I actually reviewed the literature on near-death, and I separated all of those near-death experiences that I felt could be attributed to drugs and uh, oxygen deprivation, etc. I was still left, I was still left with a considerable number of near-death experiences where the person was resuscitated immediately, either because there was some type of medical person you know, immediately in the vicinity, or they actually uh, had their cardiac arrest in the either the intensive care unit or emergency room. <laughs> so these people, I didn't feel you could attribute their experience to either drugs uh, or to oxygen deprivation. Mm-hmm. I I am convinced, and the literature would bear this out, that cardiopulmonary resuscitation, when done correctly, is very efficient. Uh, in fact, the new regimens actually state you can do chest compressions, not even do the ventilation uh, part of it, because by pressing in and out on the chest, you're, you're actually causing air to move in and out of the lungs. Right. And, and hence, it is really quite an efficient technique when done properly. So uh, I, I was left with those near-death experiences, and they were really no different than those where people had uh, been under the influence of uh, some type of drugs or who you could argue were oxygen-deprived. So I I am definitely a believer in the near-death experience. I feel it's a very valid uh, supernatural phenomenon. Well, I, I don't want to get too far off the subject, but you know, I mean, when you when you think about uh, the the shamans in in some of the medicine men around the world, they all used uh, psychomantic drugs or some type of drugs to enhance their ability to communicate with the dead. And sometimes I wonder if if that's what we're doing in in, in near death experiences. Is that if there is a uh, an operating, you know, it's a lot of times that, that during an operation, a person will die for a while and then come back. And I wonder if if the drugs are inducing that same type of uh, ability. I. You know, research and experiments would state that that is possible. Uh, one question I would ask people who, in your listening audience or even yourselves, mm-hmm. is that anyone who has ever undergone general anesthesia through surgery, I would ask them, how many remember 
seeing light. Mm-hmm. And I have yet to talk to anyone who says, yes, I saw light. It's it's total darkness. Now, you know, they may have... Uh, oh, that makes uh, sense, yeah. You know, they may, they may have other visions or even perhaps dreaming, but they right. don't really see light. Mm-hmm. So uh, I, I think something special is going on. Wow. Now, when you have patients who have experienced this near-death experience, do they, I mean, obviously they they must be in pretty rough shape if they've just had a near-death experience, but do they say that to you? Do they come out and say to you, I saw a light or I, what they saw? Oh, yes, yes. They, like right uh, away? People, people who have had, well, no, not not necessarily right away, especially back at the time I was practicing. Mm-hmm. Uh, many patients were hesitant to mention it at all because, you know, doctors would basically accuse them of being mentally ill or and right. having hallucinations. Right. So, so no, and and some some people are still hesitant to do that, mm-hmm. but with um, Moody's literature, his his several books that have been out on the subject. People are more willing to discuss it now, mm-hmm. uh, so that that I think is is a good thing, and it's why so many people who have had the experience now end up writing their own books. Oh right, that's I can see there that. Are a few, there are a few out. I mean, there was one uh, by a uh, a minister, I believe. I, I can't remember the time period. It's, it's something like Howard, like Howard Storm, perhaps. Is it like three minutes in heaven or something like that? Uh, six oh. uh, ninety. Do you remember that one? It was a bestseller for the longest time on on the thing. Uh, he was a he was a minister, I believe, and he was crossing a bridge. He got in a car accident, and he believes he died and went to ninety minutes in heaven. I think is the name of it. Uh, but uh, I believe that is Howard Storm. Yeah, there is a lot of information. I mean, it's very you know, as a man of science like yourself, and and with my science background, it, it's. It's easy, like you said, to, to try to dismiss it, but there are so many instances that it's difficult to. Oh, absolutely, and I, you know, I'm not pounding my fist on the table, stating that there's no other conclusion you can make. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think everyone has to make that judgment for themselves. Uh, yeah, there, there are certainly people who would argue against the conclusions I've made, and and you know, I, I can understand that. Mm-hmm. Now, I see in in your in your book, um, in particular, Window to God, you talked about um, you were introduced to uh, Edgar Casey. Yes. And how did that influence? How did that influence you? Well, to, just to make it clear, I, I never met him directly. He actually well, right. died even before. I was trying before to figure that one out, but I right, 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 yeah. This guy oh, I didn't mean that you had met him. I, I knew that you were right. introduced to his. Material. I'm sorry. <laughs> His material, exactly. Uh, it turns out my first book was actually published by his foundation. Oh. Now, wow. uh, the Association for Research and Enlightenment. At the time that they accepted my manuscript, I had not a clue who Edgar Casey was. <laughs> my wow. fir- m- my first book, God at the Speed of Light, never mentions Edgar Casey. So the fact that they still published, you know, that manuscript uh, probably is a once-in-a-lifetime uh, <laughs> phenomenon of of itself. But it, it was through uh, my publisher that I actually got to know about uh, the Edgar Casey Foundation, and 
I began giving lectures of my first book through many of their chapters around the United States. And, of course, it was impossible to lecture on my book without people coming up and telling me all about, you know, this amazing psychic uh, in the early uh, 20th century. And mm-hmm. so uh, being the natural skeptic that I am, and especially a medical doctor, mm-hmm. and knowing that Edgar Casey did medical uh, diagnoses through his trances as a uh, psychic, I felt... I had to review all the documented readings uh, where he made these uh, diagnoses and treatment recommendations to these patients and see if there was any credibility to them. Uh, what, what I learned was his satisfaction rate and his success rate was well in the 90% range, which is far and above what even today's modern uh practicing doctors are able to achieve. So I, I was very impressed. Yeah, I was I was impressed. He uh he converted me. <laughs> From beyond. <laughs> exactly. So that that is I thought that was really interesting that um and I mean I wasn't really you know, honestly was not really familiar with him and um just in reading, you know, doing research and, and reading about him, I just thought it was so incredibly interesting that, like, he would learn, he would he would memorize books by just sleeping on them, literally, putting them under his pillow. Exactly. And, um, and, of, and, of course, what I loved about him was he was a natural skeptic like myself. Mm-hmm. He did not, he initially did not believe any of... Uh, the information he was getting from his trances early on. He he didn't know where they were coming from, and especially when his source, when he was uh, in trance, began discussing reincarnation, he he was just appalled because as a Christian, he did not believe in reincarnation. Mm-hmm. Uh, of, of course, before he died, he and his family were uh, were convinced it was a, a real thing. Mm. I think I can't wrap my arms around right now, reincarnation, although I've tried many a times and and listened to some of the best. But anyways, we are coming up on the break, so we're going to have to take a break right now. Um, You are listening to Ghost Chronicles Next Generation with Ian Carrigan and Ron Kolick and our very special guest today. Whoops. Okay. We're right here on uh, Tojanet Parallax Ghost Channel and Beyond. We'll be right back after the following messages. (laughs) Whoops. Welcome to Tokinet, radio with a cutting edge. Feel the need to do some soul searching or make some changes in your life to create a more positive future? Then Circles of Wisdom is just the place for you. Circles of Wisdom is a metaphysical bookstore and more, located on Route 28 in downtown Andover, Massachusetts. We carry a large selection of books and music, crystals and gemstones, jewelry and gifts, sage, aromatherapy, and so much more all in a relaxing and welcoming atmosphere. We offer classes on a variety of topics like yoga, Reiki, psychic development, alternative healing, and personal transformation. 
For guidance on this journey we call life, get a reading from one of our many readers at Circles of Wisdom, 90 Main Street in downtown Andover, right next to Bertucci's. Call us at 978-474-8010 or check us out on the web at www.circlesofwisdom.com. Lots to see and do in a feel-good place, an oasis in this hectic world. Generation with Ron and Ann and our special guest, Dr. T. Lee Bowman. We're back. <laughs> there you go. Excellent. I am ready. <laughs> you know, I do apologize because I, um, I haven't had a chance to look at any of your books or everything. Uh, I've been kind of ill for the last couple of weeks. So, anyways, um, Ann mentioned something uh, to me in an email about you being the basis for Joan of Arcadia. Is that correct? Uh, that is correct, Ron. And actually, before I go on, I, I want to say that my, my first reaction whenever someone makes a mistake is, I'd like to respond, well, join the human race. There's no one more human, human than I am. <laughs> That's what our lives are all about. But, but yes, uh, in fact, that was really, I think, one of the... Uh, fortunate catalyst for me, uh, being a first-time writer, having someone like Barbara Hall, who was the producer of Joan of Arcadia, and by the way, she did Moonlighting and Judging oh, wow. Amy, yeah. Northern oh. Lights. I mean, you know, she is Phenomenal. She is a well-known celebrity producer in uh, the L.A. Uh, area. So to have her mention that my first book, Got at the Speed of Light, was one of the inspirations for her to create the TV show Joan of Arcadia, uh, you know, it was just overwhelming and obviously a blessing for a first-time uh, writer. Mm, I can't imagine that. You must have been like, Whoa. No, I, I had a hard time. <laughs> I had a hard time. <laughs> so, I mean, you also have written books about astral projection, Correct. I have not written any books dealing specifically with astral projection. Okay. I've written books which probably give credence to uh, events such as astral projection. Okay, so I apologize. I guess I'm a little bit in the dark on this. So, um, <laughs> Not a problem. It, that was one of my questions about astral projection and the near-death experience in itself because uh, I assume just – from listening to what you say, you believe in astral projection, right? That that you can pro, you can project your soul or your essence out, outside your body to another time and space. Is is that correct? Uh, yes, yes, you're absolutely right. I, I believe it's a form of meditation, and uh, you know that our minds have the ability to go outside of our bodies. So do you think it's possible, I mean, it, we go back to the near-death experience, that when we are in that phase that somehow we are astrally projecting into another realm altogether rather than uh, just in this world that we're actually in a different dimension, different realm or, or whatever? My belief, Ron, is that, uh, well, and actually it's more than a belief, it's actually a proven observation uh, made, if you can believe it or not, back in the 1960s, a Dr. David Cohen at the University of Illinois at Champaign-Urbana uh, began experimenting with 
what he thought was the possibility of brain waves being emitted from our brains into space. Uh Now, we've all seen the squiggly lines on a piece of paper from what are called EEGs or electroencephalograms, which doctors do to diagnose epilepsy. Mm-hmm. What he attempted to do was to place a uh, patient or patients in sealed chambers, and these were sealed chambers that did not allow other forms of electromagnetic radiation or radio waves into the room and did not allow them either to escape. He was actually able to measure that our brains did emit radio waves, and they're in the extremely low frequency, or called ELF, E-L-F, frequency range. Mm -hmm. What has subsequently been enhanced with our modern technology is that our brains do emit these waves. They can travel into outer space, and being a form of light, traveling at the speed of light, uh, time does not exist, and theoretically at least, our brain waves can travel the farthest reaches of the universe. Uh, And and much like the cell phone that I'm talking to you on right now, we've got these tiny waves being emitted from these little things we hold in our hands. And it's impossible to believe that they can travel miles to a cell phone tower and back, and I'm able to talk to you. (laughs) And I think it's the the same... uh, philosophy or technique that is being employed with astral projection and mental telepathy, uh, you know, and all these uh, other paranormal experiences that have been reported. Now, I'm not saying all of them are valid. I think there's fraudulent cases just like there are in any, uh, you know, in any realm, whether it be medicine or law or whatnot, but I think there are certainly valid cases uh, where this is happening and taking place. Mm-hmm. Well, it makes sense. And actually, uh, when you look at it, if you believe in astral projection, then there's one of the theories is that uh, that when we see aliens or we see, uh, you know, beings that are not there, it's, it's they're actually astrally projected from wherever they are to our planet, which is basically theoretically possible, I guess, if you believe that brainwaves uh, can travel infinitely. Exactly. Uh, In in fact, I, you know, it's readily apparent to me and other scientists that if our brains are capable of emitting waves, I think the reverse is true and that we're equally capable of receiving waves. When you talk about radio waves and uh, microwave radiation, any form of electromagnetic radiation, you're basically talking about timeless waves because they all travel at the speed of light. What uh, Einstein argued was when you have something that travels at the speed of light, not only does time not exist, but there's really no dividing lines between the past, present, and future. So I think, you know, the fact that we are able to uh, dream that we're able to have astral projections, uh, mental telepathy, and you know all these other paranormal experiences. I feel that there's valid scientific uh, observations and measurement to support them. Mm-hmm. 
I know I I had read a book about um, a gentleman uh, by the name of Alex Tanos. I don't know if you've ever read about him. And, I am not familiar with him. Me neither. Okay. And he, well, he was um, actually Ron. He was someone Cal Cooper had talked about at Spirit Quest mm-hmm. um, this year, and I did go out and get the book and read it. And he was um, a psychic and. They actually tested him. Um, what's? I'm sorry, I'm having a. The organization in England for psychical research. It's. it's um, oh, they I know test, what you mean. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, they tested him uh, numerous times for the astral projection, and they would put him, you know, in a room and have him astrally project himself. You know, to. You know, they'd have like a test chamber, and they'd say, mm-hmm. well you need to tell us what these things are in the test chamber. And he would go and he would usually be able to identify the objects. So, I mean... But is that really astral projection or, or is that remote viewing? Right, right. Well, that's what we're just talking about, you know, mentally, you know, casting out um, to see. So, I mean, I, 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 you know, how do you know? Mm-hmm. How do you know which one it is? So that That's my philosophy as well, Anne. I... I I'm not sure you can uh, make a, a difference. You, you're talking about brain waves, and that encompasses hearing, sight, uh, mm-hmm. you know, every sense, basically. And once they enter our brains, the brain does what it does with, uh, you know, with those waves. And I think we can experience every sensation. Mm-hmm. But he was, and he, so I feel he was very similar to, to Edgar Casey in that. He he learned similarly, you know, put the book under the pillow and, you know, just things always came to him. But he was also a very spiritual man. He he studied for the priesthood mm-hmm. and ne- never did become a priest because he was so torn between what he was experiencing as a psychic. You know, and, and you know, he talked to his, his professors in the seminary and, you know, it was just a really difficult thing for him to bridge. So, um, so, and something that I thought was interesting about Casey, and he said, how do you become more psychic? You become more spiritual. So it seems like they're all linked. You know, it's all linked together. Don't you feel? That, that, that is my observation. And right. Couldn't do more. <laughs> That's why you wrote all those books. <laughs> so, uh, in, your, in your journey, I mean, what was the thing that really... Uh, the one thing, if if you can say it, that, that really amazed even you uh, as you went on this journey? Well, I'll have to say, I think the eureka moment for me was, uh, you know, I'd, I'd studied about Einstein's theory of relativity and light and all of its supernatural elements scientifically, and then I had studied about light and the near-death experience and I think for me, the eureka moment was when I began checking all of the world's major religions, and I was just astounded that every religion uh, described its deity in terms of light. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that that is not a great scientific breakthrough. That's just an observation. But <laughs> to me, to me... I believe the God of all religions is the same God. I don't know if you're familiar with uh, the book Flatland 
Uh, it's about a bunch of uh, two-dimensional characters living in a two-dimensional world. And when, when we enter their two dimensions, uh, say if I put my finger into their two dimensions, they might see a, a small circle. But if I stick my toes into their two dimensions, you know, it, it's any hodgepodge of uh, appearances that, that, that they would see and not recognize it as the same person. My feeling is that God is also extra-dimensional to our four dimensions. And each time he has made an appearance in the past, we humans see him differently, but always with the common thread of seeing him in some form of light. Hmm. And I think that that may explain why all these different religions exist, describing God in terms of light, and yet, at the same time, they're also different. Right. Right. Huh? Well, I mean, when you could throw in the environmental factors, I think that's why religions are really different myself, in that they grew up at different times in different, uh, what's the, time, the word I'm looking at, basically different times in different environments, and, and that's how the religion, even though it's, like you said, the same God, but they, they just developed and worshipped it differently because they're looking at their own reality versus someone else's reality from the other side of the world or whatever. Yes, and, and uh, again, you know, this is just my... Right, yeah, it's, it's, it's all our... You're right, exactly. I, I don't expect everyone to agree with me, but, uh, but, but that's my observation. Mm. If anybody has any uh, questions, they certainly can ask us in the uh, Tojinet or Parax chat room... Uh, and we are broadcasting live on Tojinet, Pararex, Ghost Channel, and beyond. And we'd like to thank our listeners. <laughs> but, um, you know, we oh, we do have a question, do we? Uh, from Ghost Girl, uh, Anne. Um, oh, I'm sorry. Did I miss it? Wait, let me go back. Uh, oh, uh, she Ghost Girl asked us, are people's lives always changed after a near-death experience? I would have to say, for the most part, yes. Now, there are good near-death experiences where the people return to Earth having no doubt that there is now a supreme entity. And then there are people who have what are called dark or negative near-death experiences. Mm -hmm. And even they come back changed, but usually it's out of fear. They... uh, they're, they're not convinced that there's a God, but they are terrified of what they've just experienced, and they will often change their lives for the better, because if they didn't believe in God before, at so least now, now. There's, there's the possibility, you know, of yeah. God and perhaps a devil as well. So, uh, <laughs> right. Most, I, 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 most, yeah, I was just going to say, most everyone I've talked to have definitely... Uh, had a change in in their lives. And Howard Storm, who we discussed earlier, he, he was not a minister when he had his near-death experience. He actually became oh, okay. a minister afterwards, which, oh. you know, is just, it's just one testament to the fact that it can really change your life. Wow. And, and there's, there's another case that happened, I think, in France that's pretty famous about a, a man who didn't even believe in God and everything else, and, and he almost died, and he had that opposite experience that one where 
uh, it wasn't good. Uh, you know, he experienced uh, evil forces, if you would, would say, for uh, preferences or whatever. It was dark. Uh, there were, you know, uh, it wasn't the, the white light. It was the opposite. And he came exactly. back, and, and he actually changed as well. And he was yes, I've, I've, I've heard those stories, too. And, I, yeah. uh, you know, I think either they were given a warning or, uh, well, well, that's probably the the uh, the best explanation, although science would also argue that there's non-visible light even in the dark. So whenever I talk to people who have had the dark experiences, I like to at least give them the positive slant on uh, on it. But is, isn't the definition of dark the opposite of uh, the absence of the light? That's uh, what I recall. Yes. <laughs> so we just, you, would, uh, you could call that their dope slap experience, right? <laughs> okay, you Don't can. Flap the you dark can if you'd like. Go ahead. <laughs> no, very good. Uh, but yes, it's at least the absence of visible light. Right, right. Yeah. The, uh, I mean, what's ahead for you, Doctor? Well, I think I'm like most writers. I will probably write until I die. Uh, I'm, you know, whenever we get some idea in our heads, we put it down on paper, and so we're always writing new books. Mm-hmm. So that that's where I am. I'm still still writing every day. That's great. And your website is what? Yes. You... My website is a Google site. Uh, probably what what I like to tell most people is just do a Google search for T. Lee Bauman or just Lee Bauman, and that's B-A-U-M-A-N-N with two N's at the end. One of the first three hits will be a Google site, but the actual site is uh, google.com forward slash profiles forward slash T. Lee Bauman, no spaces, no periods, just uh, profiles forward slash T. Lee Bauman. Okay. I think that's the one we have on our Ghost Chronicles Next Generation Facebook page. Right. If you go on yes, Facebook page exactly. and, and like us. You and can, thank, uh, thank you for that. Oh, you're very welcome. Well, we always like people to be able to find our guests so they can see what they're doing and uh, hopefully read their books if they have books. Um, but that is, if uh, folks want to jump on our page, that's that's where you can find Dr. Bauman. I, well, I actually have a question. With, with your work in, in Near Death and so forth, I, I have to ask, since it, it is the show Ghost Chronicles, is what is your belief about spirits and ghosts? Oh, I definitely believe in spirits. I think uh, spirits are basically just a form of electromagnetic radiation, uh, which enable our minds to communicate with them or see them. Uh, hence, you know, I'm, I'm certainly a firm believer in ghosts. And in fact, my only, you know, apart from apart from dreaming, my only other real paranormal experience in life is I saw a ghost once. And that was like 25 years ago. It has never been repeated. Uh, my wife woke up in the middle of the night screaming, <laughs> and I woke up. I woke up and looked up, and there was this Civil War figure standing at the foot of our bed. Oh wow! <laughs> and I blinked. I blinked several times. He did not disappear. And I think after I blinked the third time, he was gone. And by by now, my wife was awake. And I said, what were, you know, you were having a nightmare. And she said, yes, I saw 
this uh, white apparition. And of course, in the dark, any apparition you see is typically white. Uh So uh, we had both experienced what I thought was the same apparition. But, uh, you know, it was quick. It was quick. It was over. But I'll never forget it. (laughs) Now, was this at your home in Alabama? I was going to ask that. What city it was in? Uh, it was it was actually when we were living and I was practicing medicine in Pennsylvania. Uh, uh-huh. This was clear a town a small town called Clearfield, Pennsylvania. Uh huh. Then that makes sense, right? Wow, that's yes, cool. pretty close. <laughs> it was battles that's... took place in that area. Right. That is great. Wow. You know, I'm not sure. Were you a medical doctor or a surgeon? Or I was a medical doctor okay. in internal medicine and geriatrics. So, as okay. you can imagine, I was resuscitating patients frequently. I can imagine, right? Right. You know, I, I, I speak to many uh, people who work in hospitals, and they always tell me that uh, they're a very uh, haunted place, if you want to call it, in that they see spirits a lot of times. And um, I remember one of my shows, the early shows of Ghost Chronicles, about 10 years ago, I had a, a woman who actually uh, counseled physicians uh, and uh, EMTs and uh, on uh death and she used to go to hospices and stuff especially one she she was retelling stories about children this was a, a hospice for, for basically children to go to die and they always mentioned that the children that that they would see relatives that had uh passed but were there and uh i guess they were there to help them over i mean th- does that fitting is I mean, if you believe it's energy, is it is it intelligent energy spirits that would this could this happen? Oh, I, I hear that story frequently about uh, whether it be adults or children that just mm-hmm. before they die, they often see relatives who either say, you know, we're looking forward to seeing you in the next life, or uh, you know, other ways communicating that they are uh, destined to die very shortly. Uh, so it's a very common common story, and I think it does help and give a feeling of calm to the uh, dying patient. Right. Um, I mean, it, it, it must have been difficult for you in, in your in your practice being a physician, and uh, especially when you you said you were very scientific at the at, in the beginning, and you didn't really believe in an afterlife. Uh, to have these people passed, uh, was it difficult to comfort them not believing in an afterlife or the spirit going on? Well, I had been raised as a Christian, uh, okay. e- even though I, I didn't really believe at the, you know, through most of the time that I was practicing medicine. Mm-hmm. But I, I felt as a physician, I always had to give the patient hope. So I knew enough about God and Christ oh, okay. and their, their own religions that I... I always offered them that comfort. Mm-hmm. And, and now as you look back at it, you did the right thing. <laughs> uh, I, I hope so. <laughs> Is there anything else you'd like to add before I uh, move on? <laughs> no, well, actually, yes. I'm, I'm uh, you know, because I, I know the... Your program is coming to an end shortly, but exactly. I am 
I am probably most proud of my God at the Speed of Light College scholarships, where the proceeds to all of my books go to these scholarships. So oh, wow. I do just want to uh, to make to make that known if, if anyone is not aware of that. Is is there a? I mean, is it just by buying? I mean, uh, how does it work? Because we'd like to, uh, you know, help you in any way we can. Maybe we can post something uh, uh, on either the website or uh, the Facebook page to to do that. Well, well th- th- thank you for that. Actually, it's it's the proceeds from the sale of any of my books on any website, whether through a brick and mortar store or through a web. Oh really? An internet site. Yes, I, I take the proceeds, and they all go into uh, any of my thirty-two God at the Speed of Light College scholarships. Oh, God bless you. Oh, so the college scholarships. Okay. Yes. So yeah. maybe we can post it on the website uh, on yeah. Oh, that would be yes. Yep. Definitely. Perfect. Great. And Perfect. now that book, uh, God at the Speed of Light. Why the title? That's it's really intriguing. Well, I cannot take credit for that. Uh, the senior editor at the Association for Research and Enlightenment, who is, uh, again, the Casey Foundation, uh, her name was Brenda English, and she actually came up with that name. Mm-hmm. I I can't even remember what, what title I had uh, in store, but <laughs> I, I, I thought it was pure genius, and obviously it worked out well for, uh, for all catchy. involved. It's definitely catchy. I mean, it, right. It's a great title. All right, and so uh, I, I have to ask the book. The book, the book, the book is called <laughs> "God at the Speed of Light," and so it must have meaning from the book. And, and what is that meaning? Uh, basically, I conclude, or you know, I, I believe that there is an intimate relationship between God and light, <laughs> if not okay. the same. There you go. Well, that's, that's the doorbell. That means the pizza, <laughs> pizza from the dead is here, so we have to wrap it up. Uh, we well, will again, thank you. thank you so much for having me. Oh, yeah. thank you. Uh, it's been a great guest, and uh, I do apologize for not being able to at least take a look at the books before I uh, had you on. But uh, and, and thank you for coming on for short notice, too. I do appreciate that as well. Yes. And you're it's definitely uh, an interesting uh, person, and I wish you the best of luck with your books and your future endeavors. Well, thank you very kindly. I've enjoyed your show. <laughs> thank, well, thank you, you so much, Dr. Bauman. I hope we'll talk to you again soon. I look forward to it. All, All right. right. Bye-bye. Take care. Goodbye. Bye-bye. Wow, that was pretty cool, huh? It was great. It was really interesting. And I, I think so. I, I mean, I'd love to have him back on again, but I'd have to uh, – I'd like to take a look at his books a little bit. And, I know. Uh, <laughs> yeah. And, and um, very much a gentleman. I, I just oh, have yeah. to give kudos to Dr. Bauman because I contacted him really short notice last week, and he couldn't appear because he was going to visit his first grandchild. And oh. Didn't, yeah, he didn't want to disrupt the visit, but he said, absolutely, uh, love to come on another time, just let me know. And, I mean, went out of his way, called me. Um, so, very nice, and uh, was thrilled to have him on. Yeah, make sure we post that on the uh, Facebook page, too, that uh, yes. the Procedures book does go for that scholarship. So, that's a, yes. that's a great thing. So, there's uh, somebody who's walking the walk and talking the talk. So, there you go. Yeah. Absolutely. But anyways, I do want to mention something that on uh, Tuesday, February 19th, Anne will be joining me at the Circles of Wisdom in Andover. Yes, I will. For my paranormal study group, and you will be talking about what, Anne? 
I am going to be talking about cemetery symbolism and uh, my cemetery travels. Cool. So come on up and uh, hear me babble. <laughs> yep, that's uh, Tuesday night at 7 o'clock, 7 to 9 at Circles of Wisdom in Andover. If you go to their website, which is circlesofwisdom.com, uh, you can get more information on how to register and so forth. So I'm really looking forward to that. And me too. Maybe if you can get the day off, we can go do cemetery tripping or something. Ooh, ooh I yeah. I might even take you out to dinner. What the hell? Yeah, well, we got we to rid of the snow for us, but... From goalies to ghosties, long-leggedy beasties, and things that go bump in the night. Deliver us, good Lord.